0: So, this is where it gets a little fun and tactile. So, what you're going to do during this part is you're going to hopefully have a stack of sticky notes and an empty wall. And you're going to take the data sheets that the expert listener has been using to compile all the information that they have been recording from the conversations they've been having. And so, the first step get everyone involved have that list. Either the expert listener can have already written them out on sticky notes, or sometimes it might just be a fun activity to photograph the data sheets, hand them out to everyone, give everyone a chunk and have them write it. It's kind of just getting them involved in the process. Write every single problem, no matter how crazy, no matter how uh, subtle, even if you don't think it's a problem, or if you think it's too big of a problem, write it on a sticky note. So you want to write everything out and you want to put it up on the wall. And then after everything that you have on the data sheets is on the wall, have everyone walk around, read the problems, read them all out together, whatever you decide would be helpful for the group, and then have blank sticky notes, have them add their problems. And this was all written out on the guide sheet, but we just kind of want to go over it to make sure that you are getting the most out of your time. Yeah. So L, during this process, it's going to be really easy for people to start coming up with solutions. So what should the expert creative facilitator do when people come up with solutions? Yes, that is a great question. And in my life, I think about this all the time in this cheesy little visual metaphor about a lock and a key. And I think if I am trying to forge a key, and I don't even know the lock yet, then it's obviously not going to work. And so it is really important that you fully understand the lock before you even start attempting the key. Feel free to use that metaphor if it's helpful for you. It's what I always think about when I start coming up with solutions too early. And even when I'm taking notes, and you can encourage people to do this if they feel tempted, the facilitator really needs to make sure that you're not jumping ahead in the process, that you're really staying in the problem. And what you might run into, which I run into a lot, especially when I'm working with churches, is there is this general pressure to be positive. Oftentimes when I'm like, hey, let's talk about what the problems are, there's at least one or two people that are like, hey, I really like to think of these, um, be more positive and think about how we're succeeding instead of how we're failing. And so really it's to create a safe and comfortable environment to say, hey, we're we're not being negative. We're trying to understand the lock and we cannot create the solutions until we do. So really helping people feel good about staying in the problem as an important part of the solution. Instead of feeling like, oh, well, we're just being critical, let's be more positive. And then also if it keeps happening where people are trying to create solutions to the problems that you're listing, I have this problem. It is really hard for me when I was listening, doing listening sessions or in meetings to not come up with great ideas because I love creativity and my brain's always working. So I always have a sheet in my notebook where I would just jot it down and be like solution for later. And so if people are really struggling, not jumping ahead, be like, hey, take a scrap of paper. Write down your idea, do not say it out loud, and just keep it for later. Just like park it in the parking lot. So I'm going to give a couple examples of things that have come up that I've seen. I debated on whether using specific examples, just like I debated on whether I should interview Connor earlier when I was asking the questions, and I think it's a helpful tool for the leadership To kind of have examples to work through, but I want to do a quick word of caution that I don't want this to, I don't want this to impact or affect what you think the problem of your church is because there might be some similarities, but your church is very unique and it is in the context of your town. So these are just examples. Don't let them influence you too much. You really want to be present and specific to what is coming up within your community. And so also I really want to encourage you that we're going to talk about not only the problems in the church, but also in the town. And you might be like, well, what does this problem in the town matter? But that is your town. And so it might somehow later when you're thinking divergently and connecting things, realize that these things are more connected than you you thought. So don't throw anything out. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about concrete examples, L, when you were working with a church, what did you notice with listing all the problems in that context? So I met with a significant amount of people in this one church that I was working with, both within the church, on the outliers of the church, and then also in the community. I was focusing on looking at artists, creatives, people that worked in nonprofits, people that worked at different churches, different religious communities, different age groups, meeting with teenagers. So all across the board and just trying to figure out an idea. And so I was asking not only what do you think the problems are in your church context, but when I was meeting with people that We're a part of the church just saying, like, what is the biggest problem in your town? Which these are the questions we gave you. So it was really interesting to see the list of problems that they came up with. We had everything from the big one that you hear a lot in churches, membership. Our membership is older. They're more losing members as they get older, or we don't have younger people. Then we're looking at the town and they're talking about, you know, we have everything from issues of food insecurity. And you'd have one person saying, we have major food insecurity. And you have another person saying, actually, our food insecurity and our unhoused population exist, but is much smaller comparatively to the surrounding towns. And so you might be hearing everyone say like food insecurity and unhoused populations is the most, the biggest issue. And then I had some people being like, actually, it's just the loudest issue. And it happens to be the issue that all the churches are addressing. But really, the bigger issue is we're not dealing with our history with the indigenous community. We're not even talking about it because we're scared and there's no solutions. So really asking like what do you think is the biggest one? So then things were coming up about the domestic violence hotline being at capacity and then things about needing volunteers that were specialized and trained or maybe someone at the you know the churches. We have a disconnection from the nonprofits and the churches and we really are realizing that when People are in domestic violence situations, they're going to their pastors, but the pastors are not connected to the domestic violence shelters or training, and they don't really know how to handle it. So they might be counseling them to their best their judgment to stay in that relationship. And so the DV shelters were like, we'd really love to have access to offer training to people in the churches because they're having more access to people than we are sometimes. Housing was a huge problem in this community. Affordability, working class, diversity within the community, not only financially, but also with race, redundancy, in services. So nonprofits were repeating the same services. Churches were repeating the same services. Communication, privileged activism. And I'm just kind of listing a ton out because later we're going to talk about categorizing. And so I want you to have a little bit of an idea. There was actually... um, A lot of the problems I found in the town were mirrored within the churches, but because the churches were a much smaller sample size, they weren't able to see the bigger picture. And so in talking to the people in the town, I could kind of find puzzle pieces to fit in of like, oh, this is a problem the church has and they don't understand why, but the town is dealing with it too. And I can see a much broader understanding of why they're dealing with it because there's more people involved in it. Specific examples with this church that came up, they had a a really strong partnership with a specific nonprofit, and they were feeling really disconnected to the vision. And so a lot of things that they were saying is, we just don't feel like we know what's going on. We're not involved. We don't have enough money. We're going to have to shut the church down, which, spoiler alert, ended up not really being one of their core issues that I'm going to get to in the next section. But really saying like, hey, you have this deal with this nonprofit that is gonna get you financially secure, but no one was really passionate about what the nonprofit did. They were also feeling really disconnected from COVID. They had issues of being online services versus physical services. People were hesitant to say that they didn't really feel cared for in the community. And I think there was this feeling of I don't want to betray our leadership or I don't want to complain, but really getting to the heart of, but I don't feel met, or I don't feel seen or I feel disconnected. I'm just in my house all the time. So there was concerns all across the board in every area. And these are just a few that we're throwing out there um, that we're going to come back more for later in the next section.